I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 22 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the power of a single individual. this week, I spoke at an event in Memphis, Tennessee. During the Q&A, a man asked me a question I've been pondering ever since. The more I think about it, the more the fact that this particular man asked this particular question at this particular event warms my soul. You see, James was a black man at a Campaign for Liberty event. He was one of only a few colored faces in the crowd. Afterward, he told me that he'd recently stumbled on this particular group completely by accident. A few months back, he'd been at an unrelated meeting earlier in the day, and somebody invited him to come check out C4L that evening. He said he'd been coming ever since, studying and learning. Here's the part that I thought was really cool. He said, Mike, I really believe that I was brought here for a reason and that I have an important role to play. Now, let me back up to that Q&A session. My talk was about practical nullification of unwarranted federal acts, specifically following James Madison's blueprint in Federalist 46. The father of the Constitution suggested refusal to cooperate with officers of the Union would serve as a check on federal power. In fact, he said when several states followed this strategy, it would create, quote, obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter, end quote. To demonstrate the truth in Madison's words, I talked extensively about how northern abolitionists refused to cooperate with the Fugitive Slave Acts and how their actions seriously obstructed fugitive slave rendition. But I made the point that it wasn't state action alone. A big part of the nullification of the Fugitive Slave Act was individuals refusing to cooperate and even overtly defying the law to assist escaped slaves. I specifically told the story of the Oberlin Wellington Rescue. A large group of abolitionists forcibly freed an escaped slave named John Price and ultimately got him to freedom in Canada. I tell the whole story in episode 17 of Thoughts from a Hairy Head. I'll link to that in the show notes. Ultimately, the federal government prosecuted a man named Charles Langston under the Fugitive Slave Act. Before his sentencing, he made an impassioned speech telling the court he would do it again regardless of the consequences. James totally connected with this story, and it obviously got him thinking. 
So during the question and answer time, he said, I know you've heard of Rosa Parks and know about how she refused to give up her seat. That had a huge impact. Do you believe a single person can make that kind of difference today? I emphatically answered yes. After all, Rosa's story proves the power of a single individual. Her story is one of my favorites, especially when I consider the context. You know, a lot of times I will propose some radical change and people will say, Mike, thus and so will never change. It's just the way it is. Well, in 1955, segregation in the South was just the way it is. Rosa Parks faced what likely seemed a hopeless situation at the time. Majority opinion, backed by the strong arm of government, relegated her to second-class citizenship. In that day, who ever imagined it would change? Nobody did. Not really. So Rosa Parks was riding the Cleveland Avenue bus home from work in Montgomery, Alabama on December 1, 1955, when the white-only seats in the front filled with passengers. Bus driver James Blake moved the colored section sign behind the row Rosa was sitting in and demanded that she and three other black people move to seats in the rear of the bus to accommodate the white riders. The three other people in the row complied. Parks did not. She recalled what happened in a 1987 PBS documentary on the civil rights movement. When he saw me still sitting, he asked if I was going to stand up, and I said, no, I'm not. And when he said, well, if you don't stand up, I'm going to have to call the police and have you arrested, I said, you may do that. Blake did indeed call the police, and an officer arrested Parks. She spent the next day in jail. She was tried four days later and convicted of disorderly conduct. The judge fined her $10 and $4 in court costs. She also ended up losing her job as a seamstress at a local department store. She later explained why she did it in her autobiography. Quote, People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I was not tired physically, or no more tired than I usually was at the end of a working day. I was not old, although some people have an image of me of being old then. I was 42. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. End quote. Rosa Parks refused to submit, and she faced the consequences. Quote, it was just time. There was opportunity for me to take a stand and express the way I felt about being treated in that manner. I had not planned to get arrested. I had plenty to do without having to end up in jail. But when I had to face that decision, I didn't hesitate to do so because I felt that we had endured it too long. The more we gave in, the more we complied with that kind of treatment, the more oppressive it became. End quote. Rosa's actions that day sparked the Montgomery bus boycott and ignited the civil rights movement. Ultimately, Jim Crow died because one woman grew tired of giving in and had the guts to say no. One woman. For the last few days, I've been thinking about James's question. Can it happen again? Can one person make that kind of difference? Well, of course it can. We know that because it's happened before. Nothing in the fabric of the universe has changed to make it impossible for one person to change the world. But the truth is, we never know when that will happen. 
I can't guarantee James will one day do something that ignites the kind of fire Rosa's no that day did. But the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that it doesn't really matter. We don't act because it might change the world. We act because it's the right thing to do. If our actions spark a movement, so be it. But even if only a few people notice, even if it only influences a small handful of friends and acquaintances, we should still act. After all, who knows what kind of ripple effect it might have. But you know, even if nobody notices, we should never hesitate to do the right thing. After all, it's the right thing. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word. Make sure you head over to iTunes if you haven't already and subscribe to the show. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.